This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hello, everyone. It's time again for the Tesla Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. Uh, this episode is for August, August 2nd. I have to correct myself. Last week, of course, I misspoke. I said it was July 25th, or it was July 25th. I said June 25th. So, uh, you know, the people on uh, on uh, on YouTube are not ones to let me forget when I make a mistake. So I apologize for that. But uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. I just want to introduce my guest. I have Mr. Ian Pavelko. Gentlemen, how are you? Uh, good, good. How are uh, you two, gentlemen? I'm very well. And of course, joining us is uh, President Camacho there, Eric Camacho in Florida. How are you doing, Frank? Eric, 2020. Hello, everybody, and uh, thanks so much for your support. Uh, my candidacy is uh, really important to me, and uh, we're going to make sure that we do the best we can for the world. Yeah, don't forget Gatorade. It's got what plants grave the most. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen the movie, Idiocracy. All right, well, we have lots to talk about. Um, I'm going to let Eric, take point on the very first uh, topic today because it really relates to the upcoming version 10 of the firmware that's coming. Uh, before we do that, I just want to give people a very quick history lesson because we've been watching this. So if you're new to the podcast, whatever, maybe you're not too sure what, what's been going on and so on and so forth. So we're actually coming up on the first anniversary of the last software release, which was version 9. That was released in the last week of August uh, of last year, and that firmware was 2018.34. Now, in case you haven't uh, noticed yet, uh, Tesla names their firmwares um, based on the year of release, and the second digit represents the week that it was released. The last major update that we got in terms of visual changes, especially if you're new to this, maybe you got a Model 3, didn't know that you know there have been prior releases on the S and the X, uh, was version 6 to 7. Now, version 6 of the software still had some skeuomorphisms in it. That's when they, they represent real-life objects in software that really doesn't have any business being there. Things like they were representing some parts of the uh, instrument cluster bezel on the Model S in the center screen. Of course, they went away with that in version 7. So since then, they've been making a lot of uh, visual changes and under the ground changes, or, or under the hood changes, I should be saying. Um, but again, we've, we've been hearing uh, since last year that Tesla or Elon was talking uh, some more of the features that are coming in version 10. And here we are almost a year later, and it uh, looks like it's almost upon us. Now, Eric spent quite a bit of time. I'm still on vacation, but Eric spent quite a bit of time on Twitter um, a few days ago. I think it was around the 27th. Uh, Elon got on Twitter, as he's wont to do. And spat out a whole bunch of stuff. So Eric uh, spent a tremendous amount of work uh, putting Elon's tweet storm into a, a fantastic uh, tweet thread. I'll put a link in the video in the podcast description. You guys can certainly follow along. But I'm going to turn it over to Eric and let him uh, take point on this and uh, and give us uh, all of our viewers and listeners uh, the fill in on exactly what went uh, what went down. Hey, thanks, guys. So uh, so as uh, Trevor just mentioned, uh, Elon really did have uh, some fun on Saturday uh, and sort of awoken a lot of people who were thinking, it's the weekend, it should be pretty quiet. Not a lot of Tesla news breaking on a Saturday. Were we wrong? So yeah. there was a whole bunch of stuff that was tweeted out. And what I was starting to do was sort of keep a track of what was being responded uh, by Elon. And then next thing you know, it was like a massive amount of content. So the easiest thing to do is sort of take all of the responses, all the questions, 
sort of streamline them together, lump things that were very similar in conversation and make it a very simple, uh, kind of a readable thread. Uh, and that's what I tweeted out on Sunday. So if you've been retweeting it, you've seen it before, fantastic. If you haven't, this is sort of a, uh, a basic rundown of what happened. Uh, I tried to put like topics together, uh, like Tesla Arcade, version 10, etc. So I'll kind of recap that now uh, as best as I can. So the first thing that Elon talked about was the Tesla Arcade, uh, specifically on a game called Cuphead. Uh, that's a game that's going to be released in the Tesla Arcade sometime this month. Uh, now if you haven't seen Cuphead, it's amazing. It's an amazing game, uh, and it is it is something that a lot of folks have been like kind of nudging them to do. So it is something that's forthcoming. Uh, again, we're now taping the show August first. This day's views August second. So it is sometime this month that they're projecting to have it. But again, Elon time can certainly vary. But again, they're they're at least projecting an August debut. Uh, the game will run at sixty frames per second, and it will not require four K resolution. Uh, for it to run, which is really, really impressive. Um, relative to the Tesla Arcade, another game called Unity. Uh, porting it into the arcade is done, uh, but what the team is trying to do is actually perfect how it works with game controllers. So we know, uh, and I'll get to this in a little bit. That's critical for Cuphead because you can't play it with the steering wheel. Correct. So um, another game we know is in the cars now, Beach Buggy Racing 2, does support two remotes, which is now a new update. Uh, but that, again, is more games are going to be using remote options uh, for control. Now, a really cool thing that I thought about this, and this kind of relates to sentry mode, uh, and I know that we've talked in the past on the show about storage devices. Ian even mentioned uh, a good recommendation that you can use uh, for storage, high-capacity storage. Uh, but since local storage in the processor, in the computer, is limited, Tesla will allow additional game storage via USB. So that's going to be a very intriguing component uh, coming out pretty soon, again, in the next month or so. Uh, now, additional information for the Tesla Arcade, chess is now available uh, for those that have recent updates in their cars. Uh, you can actually now play chess. In fact, Tesla earlier today had a, a fun tweet exchange where the U.S. chess champion uh, had played the uh, the chess game in the car. Unfortunately, the car was not victorious uh, in this matchup, <laughs> but it was at least fun to see that uh, exchange going on. And then also forthcoming arcade games uh, should be including Minecraft, which is fantastic for those kids who are really into Minecraft, as well as uh, Roblox, R-O-B-L-O-X. Uh, so that's actually forthcoming. Uh, now, here's something that was sort of a, a question that even people like Trevor had asked, which is we've heard in the past before about the potential for owners to pay for either an MCU and LTE upgrade for access to these features. Now, Elon mentioned it in passing that owners actually could do that, but there was no expansion beyond that tweet just saying you can. Uh, so we don't have enough information yet. So if you are listening to the show and you're sort of curious, we ourselves still do not know as we're taping the show what that means, what the cost is, the timing of it. We just know that he says it can be done. Hopefully, we'll see more information coming down the pipeline. I will mention one thing here. The LTE upgrade is something that Tesla's been doing for some time. So people that had previously uh, older cars that only had the 3G can upgrade to the LTE modem. Anecdotally, I think it was around 500 bucks to do that. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's cheaper today. The uh, the MCU thing is something that I've been asking Tesla about for months <laughs> right. uh, based on what Elon had said last year. And, of course, he's reiterating it again. The problem is the service centers have no clue about what's going on or how it's going about. So obviously it's not in the system yet. Um, yeah. 
So as yeah. soon as we know more, we'll let you know. Carry on. Sorry. Sure. All right. No, no, good information. So here's now where we start getting into version 10 conversation. So it wasn't alluded to just yet. This was sort of a standalone part of his tweets. So owners will soon be able to stream YouTube and Netflix when the car is in park. So that's a really huge thing. So that's an infotainment. That's a nice term we'll use uh, feature coming out pretty soon. The vehicles themselves offer an immersive cinematic experience because of the comfortable seats, the surround sound audio. So Elon kind of likened it to a drive-in movie experience. Um, he said that's actually targeted for an August release, but it's no more than a few months away. So leading into that, he then added that once full self-driving is approved by regulators, Tesla will then allow the streaming of that content on YouTube and Netflix to be able to be played while the vehicles are in motion. Which again, when we talked about Model 3 and its initial design with the screen being uh, horizontal versus vertical, that sort of was the mindset of having eventually uh, displays be able to do that. Now, he did in fact indicate that some owners will need the premium connectivity package for those infotainment features. Uh, so if you don't have unlimited streaming options in your vehicles, you may actually be able to then pay for that package. Uh, so for those who do not know, if you were to purchase a car now, you do get the premium connectivity for the first year of your ownership for free. After that, you actually have to pay $100 a year to have it. So it's about $8, $9 a month to do it. Um, but again, that's something that, um, you know, he, he says you may have to do that uh, to use these services. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Streaming video is part of version 10. So if he's saying this is coming out in August or at least next couple of months, um, then that is part of version 10, which includes some of the games we mentioned before, infotainment features, and he added improved highway autopilot, uh, which as Trevor mentioned was a big, big part of version nine last year, uh, better traffic light and stop sign recognition, and smart summon, which we've all been waiting for, uh, which is a really, really awesome thing. And it will not include uh, emoji support just yet, but it will have text messaging feature built into it. So if you, wanted to, if you wanted to do a voice command in your car and actually text somebody, that is something that will be part of version 10. So again, we don't know when that's coming, but that will roll out with it on the initial package. Emoji support will come later. I think the texting thing is something that people have been asking oh my goodness. for so huge. long. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Especially since, like, Florida, and as of July 1st here in Florida, it is now illegal to text and drive. You actually can get cited uh, for doing that. So it's having it's as been a It's illegal here for a better part of a year now. Right. Uh, so it, My and wife it, has, uh, what is it, Android Auto or CarPlay in her car, mm -hmm. and uh, the texting on it is fantastic. So. Yeah. If it's anything close to that, it's going to be great. So that's fantastic. Now, uh, somebody did ask about uh, indoor spaces with GPS. Uh, so the version 10 update may not, they're going to try to, but they may not include the inertial wheel GPS for indoor spaces upon the uh, deployment of V10. Uh, if that were to be the case, it would actually be a point release. Uh, and I give an example like 2019.24.4. That's a point release. Now, regarding automatic lane change alerts, uh, somebody had said, listen, my kids are in Actually, the car. Eric, before, before we go any further sure. with that, I think we need to take just two seconds and just talk about what he means by inertial wheel okay. GPS. Go right yeah. ahead. And, okay. Because <clears throat> um, enhanced summon is something that requires GPS coordinates in order to function in outdoor um, uh, spaces. Uh, someone on Twitter was asking Elon, look, uh, what if we use this inside of a parking garage? We don't mm -hmm. get 
necessarily uh, reception in there. Um, Elon said, we will be able to do inertial wheel measurements as the car travels into the parking garage to be able to record those movements so that they can replay them for, for that kind of thing. So that's what he's talking about. So the, the ability to use smart summon may not be initially included um, in V10. It would, would be coming later in a point release. So just so if you're asking what that is and why you may not be able to use it in a parking garage where you don't get signal, that's what he's talking about. Carry on. All right, thank you. So somebody had asked him about automatic lane change alerts uh, with Navigate on Autopilot or NOA uh, because he's like, hey, I got kids in the car. I don't want the thing constantly making alerts, tones, beeps, and so forth. Uh, so there was a mention of this thing called Joe Mode, J-O-E, Joe Mode. Uh, Tesla hopes to add that into version 10. Uh, the default setting for Joe Mode would be normal volume for the alerts, but when you activate it, it would actually reduce the volume and the number of alerts by half. Uh, so that's something that, again, we don't have much description about what that really is, but at least for those who do want to have a kind of a more silent experience with NOA and the alerts on, uh, that's going to be forthcoming. Now, the big question is, will version 10 be released in August? Because, <laughs> again, we're now in August, and we're approaching the one-year mark uh, for when version 9 was rolled out last year. It came out the very end of August, massive rollout in September. According to Elon, it all depends on the success of the firmware release for early access owners. Now, if everything goes well, which we hope it does, uh, then Tesla hopes to deploy a wide release of version 10 by the end of this month. Somebody then said, well, when you say August, you really mean September, right? And, of course, Elon responded with, ha-ha, probably true, and then <laughs> let out a big sigh. So, so again, the idea that it's actually this close to the release is kind of really a positive uh, uh, announcement that happened over the weekend. So if it doesn't happen the next, say, three to four weeks, it's fine. Uh, we're close to it. It could very well come on the anniversary of version 9, which, you know, if we're in that 10 to 12-month window, it's not a terrible thing. Continuing on here. Per, sorry, I, personally, and I don't mean to interrupt again here, but yes, you do. Um, I, I really believe this enhanced summon is such a big feature. And of course, it is one of the first things for the new FSD, not the old mm -hmm. one, because it was still an enhanced autopilot on the roadmap as far as that's concerned. I think it's such a big deal. I think that's why they've been delaying a little bit. Not delaying purposely, but just saying like, okay, what Enterprise. if we roll this into version 10 and just make one big splash? I think that's kind of what might be transpiring here a little Could bit. Be. So, yeah. All right. So a few more things here. Uh, now, this relates to full self-driving. Uh, there were some questions about full self-driving and some of the updates with uh, traffic lights and stop signs. So I kind of alluded to that a little while ago. Uh, they want to ensure that the firmware for FSD can actually properly recognize and read all street signs. Uh, so the FSD team is currently focusing on traffic lights and stop signs, most of which, according to Elon, are actually very easy to recognize and respond. Um, but he did allude to the idea that it's actually quite difficult to recognize and respond to the millions of different kinds of corners and intersections uh, across the globe. So, um, you know, if you're coming to like a four-way stop or, uh, you know, it's a simple traffic intersection, the car can respond to that. It's unique things like cul-de-sacs and some other weird signage that they're trying to work through. Uh, so we may see improvements uh, in point releases. Maximum speed, nine and a half miles per hour. <laughs> That's pretty precise, right? Uh, so I was actually kind of surprised as there wasn't a whole lot of expansion beyond this. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation on Twitter about the Tesla pickup truck uh, on and on again. But there really wasn't much beyond this mention on Saturday, which is that they are close to unveiling the truck. Uh, the team's really looking at the final details. As he said, that's where all the magic is, the final details. Um, he at least... Uh, suggested that the debut of the truck may be in two to three months. Now, there were some people, like our friend 
Michael Bodner at Teslatunity. It's like, hey, can we get more of an advance notice so we can kind of make plans to get there? Like kind of fell silent. There was crickets after that tweet. Um, we love you, Michael. Um, but yeah, that's at least we're looking at. And then if it is true, if it is two to three months, that may happen before the end of Q4. Uh, so something to keep in mind as we're moving forward. Now, a cool thing uh, was mentioned was about the Tesla mobile app for iOS and for Android devices. Owners can now schedule service appointments in under a minute with the updated app. The system will automatically select either mobile tech or service center, depending upon what your reporting issue is. And owners can actually type in prefer mobile for now into the comments box. And that will at least indicate that you're looking for a mobile service tech to come to your location. Uh, eventually, as the updates uh, get improved, there will be a checkbox that you can actually make that a permanent setting, that you prefer a mobile tech to be uh, coming to your location first before maybe having to go to a service center. Um, Related to the mobile app, and this is kind of the last thing here I want to get into, is that uh, vehicle alerts seen on your display uh, could be TPMS alerts or any other kind of uh, issue with your cameras or whatever. Uh, if those alerts show up on your display, they would also show up on your device, your Android phone or your iOS phone. Uh, you can actually then enable single-touch service requests for that alert from either the car's display or the mobile app, and basically in a matter of seconds, uh, get uh, an appointment scheduled for that specific alert. So that's all coming down the pipeline. That's all the news that broke on Saturday. I'm done for now. I'm going to take a nap. You guys can uh, <laughs> ha have your comments about all that. Thank you for doing that, Eric. That was tremendous yeah. on your Bravo. on your behalf. Bravo. Thank you very Bravo, much. Bravo, sir. Bravo. And use my referral yeah. code. I appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, yes. I saw you managed to slip that in there. I mean, that's the way yeah, to do it, buddy. <laughs> a little bit, you know, a little bit. I've, I've, had, I've had a new oh, referral wow. lately, so my thanks to those oh. of you who are uh, using our referrals. We appreciate it because, again, we're doing it for you to so you can guys get your 1,000 supercharging miles. That's right. Pay it forward, folks. Yeah. Um, probably worth mentioning one more tweet that happened. <gasps> Um, it relates to dog mode, of course, because someone hopped on Twitter and says, hey, it's hot as hell here in Seattle. Today I use dog mode. And let me bring up the tweet here so y'all can read it hot here. Everywhere. Luckily, yeah, he says, um, I kept the app open to my horror. The car was 85 degrees and, and climbing. And so the dog mode only works if it's an auto. If you manually set the fan and leave the AC, it turns off. Elon responded simply, fixing. So... Should be seeing that in a small point released as soon as possible, I hope. But by the way, I should mention, um, I just got word that uh, 2019.28.1 is starting a small phase-out rollout. This is the one that includes the new chess game and a couple other small improvements and stuff. So start looking for that in the next uh, week or so and in, into uh, wide release. So excellent news. I mean, gosh, this I, I truly believe, based on That's everything that he said, I know it's so much to absorb here. Um, but I, I do believe that the, we're looking at version 10 real soon. I, I think all this stuff is going to be rolled in uh, as much as humanly possible, of course, uh, based on that. Uh, enhanced summon, man, I mean, there's so many people who have been looking forward to this thing. I hope that it's not a letdown because, you know, all this anticipation has been bet, uh, you know, I pent up. I can't think they've delayed it a year, then it's not going to work. I think the whole point is they're just really hanging on to make it good. I mean, you, you got to think there's so much development time that's got into it. I mean, it's like, what are we on the sixth? Yes. It's just around the corner. I mean, I got to think by now it's, it's, they've got it working nicely. I think if it's going to look, uh, we can't overemphasize this, this, what they're working on doesn't work without some form of FSD. This is part and parcel to FSD. This is kind of like the first step. And they got to make it right. They got to make it safe um, because let me tell you, there are going to be accidents. I mean, yeah. statistics basically dictate so. 
uh, people are going to get hurt. There are going to be bumps and you know fender benders um, in the parking lots and stuff. So um, if they can mitigate that by delaying it or spending extra time on it, it's all the better. But don't fool yourself. There are going to be some mishaps with this technology. Uh, and of course, um, along with that, all the negativity in the press that's going to go along with this. So just be prepared. Just saying uh, that there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of digital links spilt over this, both positive and negative. So just keep that in mind. Try and set your expectations accordingly. And if it's great, it's great. If it's not, well, we have some uh, we have some work to do on that part. All right, moving along, we got a lot to talk about. Um, <clears throat> Model 3. Model 3 has some incredibly resilient batteries. Now, this uh, article comes courtesy of our friends at Tesserati there, Simon Alvarez, uh, basically wrote that a high-speed accident involving a Model 3 crashing into a pole recently provided an impressive look at the fire-resistant capabilities of Tesla's batteries. Um, basically, somebody ran into a pole. It shoved the, the uh, front uh, It was an all-wheel drive car, by the way. And uh, it shoved the motor into uh, partially the... Uh, uh, into the battery, which is basically up against the firewall, and uh, tore a big hole in the battery. And lo and behold, it didn't uh, it didn't melt. It didn't catch on fire. Uh, nothing happened. Uh, very impressive. I mean, and I put out a tweet today. Uh, other than maybe a little bit of smoldering from one, what was that car that fell down into the ch- uh, children's playground? Right, there were some reports of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe not deliberately catching on fire. A big conflagration that we've seen in the past, but. I'm not aware of any Model 3's battery pack that's gone up in complete flames. No, it's, there's, 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 there's some, been zero. Uh, uh, Earl, our, our, uh, our friend... 28 uh, delays later. Oh, yeah. Did a fantastic yes. chart today where it was basically, okay, that here's the stats on, on Model 3 fires, and it's a blank Excel sheet. <laughs> <It was laughs> exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's really impressive to see this many cars built and not a single battery fire yet. Yeah, no, it's a great. It just sign. really shows that they've done their homework. I don't know what kind of magic sauce or what they've changed in this battery pack, uh, because you know we've seen a number of battery fires, of course, with the S and the X, which feature a different cell format, different size, but the layout is largely the same. It's just there's something else that's going on in here, you know. And I haven't laid my hands on one of these things to be able to tell you exactly what's going on in terms of differences. But again, I'll just reiterate: we have not seen any battery fires on the Model Three. It's it's truly incredible. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm also so. I'm also of the mindset um, if if you and this is goes really goes for any electric vehicle. If you are expecting that at some point one might happen, that's where the mindset needs to change because the reality is that they're trying to make these cars the safest cars on the road. And we know through the battery of tests, haha, uh, the battery of tests that have been performed on these vehicles, the SX and three are the safest cars anywhere on the earth. Period. And the Model 3 beats the S and X, you know, by a small margin. So it is not surprising that the way these cars have been designed and the way they've been thoroughly tested by a number of agencies, and we'll get to this a little bit uh, later on in the show, but through all the different tests that have been performed, we've never heard of in their crash tests by various agencies of there having been a fire or significant issues. Um, you know, we know the cars are, are, are uh, you know, pretty resilient um, when it comes to damage through poles and other vehicles and solid structures and everything. I mean, it's just not surprising. So my perception is don't think that, oh, hey, it's shocking there hasn't been one. It's like, hey, how about that? See, people, there the chance of you having a car fire in a Model 3 is right now zero. 
And that should be the headline. Not that we're surprised yep. there isn't one. It's, well, we should expect there's none. And Tesla's done their damn due diligence to make sure that there isn't one. And with the number of cars in the road, it's proof positive. They've, they've finally figured it out. They've, they've, they, the proof is in the pudding. There are zero fires in these cars. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, safety on these cars is more than just the crash rating. It's compassed the whole thing, especially yeah. with the battery pack. We're talking about a lot of chemical energy here. We've seen battery fires. They're quite violent when they do happen. Mm-hmm. So they've mean, taken it. They, they've they obviously taken it to heart. I was just going to say, if you want a, a vivid image of, of how much energy there is in a pack, we had, uh, it was just last week, a Hyundai Kona right here in the Montreal area exploded. Saw that. Right. Roof and garage door off the structure. I mean, that's a lot of energy. So, yeah, don't don't be fooled into thinking, well, it's a battery. It's not going to go up like a tank of gasoline. It can. I mean, it, it has can. the same level of stored energy. It just, you know, normally gets released in a, in a more gentle fashion, but not always. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations to everybody at Tesla for doing such an incredible job on the safety yeah. factors of the batteries. Makes me feel here, really here. good. All right, moving along. Speaking of safety, well, our good friends in Australia have some rejoicing to be happened because the Tesla Model 3 uh, was awarded a five-star safety rating by the uh, Australian New Car Assessment Program, also known as ANCAP. And uh, they put out this webpage. Again, uh, links to all of the topics we're talking about will be in the podcast description. They have a wonderful technical report that you can download here in a PDF. So if I just bring it up here on the screen, you'll be able to see it here. So it scored uh, 96% in adult occupant protection, 87% in child occupant protection, 74% in vulnerable road user protection, 94%, 94% in safety assist. So it's a wonderful report. I highly encourage you to go and take a look at it. Again, just shows Model 3 is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, the safest car you can buy anywhere in the world. Five star. <laughs> In, in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and of course in North America. So, judging by that, things, I mean, Tesla's done a wonderful thing. So, if there's, any, if, if there's any doubt in anyone's mind that the number one thing on a Tesla whiteboard when they design a car is safety. So, mm-hmm. Model 3 will get, has five stars, Model Y will get five stars. Anything else that Tesla comes out, they're not satisfied until they get five stars safety on Safety is so. paramount. Absolutely. So there's no doubt in my mind that they will work extra hard. And if a car never got five stars, even in one category, you can bet that Tesla would send the engineers back and say, do it over again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you want a safe car for you and your family. You can't do anything better. Uh, By the way, should you know, you can't go without mentioning second safest car in the world, Tesla Model S. Third safest car in the world, Tesla Model X. So there you go. Hoorah, hoorah, hoorah. All right, moving on. Um, well, sales in, uh, in, uh, in the European market are down. Europe's auto sales are down um, 8% in the first half of 2019. Guess where Tesla is? <laughs> sales have tripled for Tesla. Now, chalk this up maybe a little bit to some pent-up demand for the car. You know, there's a little bit of that. But it just goes to show that these cars are doing exceptionally well. So again, this article comes courtesy of Tesla Roddy by uh, Dasha Ferris wrote. So um, the top five market share winners in Europe is... Uh, let's see here. What else have they got here? The, what is this? Dasha? Tesla? Citroen? A seat? I don't know what that is. Like, why do they have different car names in Europe? 
Oh, goodness. But anyways, Tesla's doing exceptionally well over there. Of course, you know, gasoline prices factor into this a lot because gasoline's super expensive in Europe compared to new, uh, uh, to North America. Um, notably, diesel car res- uh, registrations fell 21% in June mm-hmm. over the prior month with uh, demand for electric vehicles increased 20%. Um, although the new car market share for EVs in Europe is only 7.5% right now, the results coming in each month are promising uh, every year over year. Alternative fuel vehicles increased their sales over 2018 nearly 2%, while gasoline vehicles only increased 3%. Diesel declined 5%. Battery electric vehicles increased 104% over last year. So Tesla's doing exceptionally well. Um, any thoughts on this, guys? Well, one thing that I wanted to point out in the story that you hadn't mentioned yet was that the Model 3 was the best-selling premium sedan in the month of June uh, in the European market. So, despite, I mean, it's part of those figures of Tesla sort of uh, tripling their sales on uh, the first six months of the year. It's, it's just all the more impressive that when we think of Europe, when we think about electric cars, we kind of default to Norway first. Um, but with the introduction of the right-hand drive cars that are coming out there, um, when we started seeing deliveries of the freight truck, you know, all the freighters bringing all the cars over, overseas um it's it's just it's astounding to see that this has been the trend and it's just going to continue we're going to i think we're going to see these records kind of happen every every quarter every six months every year uh, especially now that gigafactory 3 is going to come online very soon which how fast is that happening holy cow um you know australia's going to start getting deliveries very soon so we're going to start seeing these figures start to be more commonplace outside of north america which is a great great thing uh for the planet for tesla for electric vehicle owners and for families alike Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Well, moving along, we got some more news. The EV cannonball record has been broken. You know what the old saying goes, right? Records are meant to be broken. Well, it's been broken again. Um, the last record holder was none other than Alex Roy of The Drive, uh, who basically took a Model 3 across country. And, uh, well, it just been broken again here by a trio of people that uh, took delivery of their car. So, uh, yeah, actually, it was Dan Zarilla that, uh, who, did, who did the um, Cannonball Run with, uh, with Alex Roy. Uh, they did theirs in 50 hours and 16 minutes, <laughs> and, which is just crazy. Um, what did they do here? Uh, where's the number? I'm looking for the number, and I'm lost. How? Okay, okay, so. actually, actually, there were two runs back-to-back, Trev. Within 24 hours, the record was broken <laughs> twice, which is hard to imagine. Right. But that's Iron exactly butt. The first one, the first um, uh, break was, I think the story is hilarious. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a national because yes it was the thompson family lars betty and their daughter robin thompson who were swiss visiting the Mm -hmm. u.s decided literally at the last minute on a lark to rent a model 3 and go tearing across the country to set the record how cool is that for a family vacation (laughs) i want to be in that family i want them to top that's my kind of family so yeah so they just rent a model 3 hop in the car and just cannonball it across hey look we're in west virginia oh there goes west virginia yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice knowing you. 
that's how I love seeing the country. So, the, yeah, they managed to knock out 48 hours and 10 minutes, which is amazing. I mean, they, they took two hours off of uh, Alex Roy's time. And if, if I mean, for those of you who don't know Alex Roy, first of all, he's an exceptional journalist, covers Tesla supremely well. I think he's one of the clearest uh, seeing journalists on the and entire He subject. loves to call people out when they yeah. say self-driving cars. Oh, yeah. man, does he have a bugaboo yeah. about that? He's very, very technically accurate and very precise. Yeah. But his main claim to fame is he's he's probably one of the most storied coast-to-coast uh, -coast cannonball drivers in history. He's done this run so many times. Um, he has the second fastest run, if memory serves, or thereabouts uh, in a gasoline car at just a hair over 30 hours. So, and I mean, he, uh, on his record run, he spent, I think, the better part of a year planning it. That's how much work went into it. And I'm sure with Dan Zarilla, he, he did quite a bit of homework to get it down to 50 hours. So the Thompson family shows up, hops <laughs> in it, heads for the hills and managed to knock almost another two hours off that, which is amazing. And stranger still, not even a day later, um, you have this um, other attempt that happens. I'm just pulling up the gentleman's names now. Kyle so Connor. Have, Kyle Connor, that's right, uh, and his co-driver. I'm just looking Matthew for Matthew Davis. Thank you, Trevor. That's that's them. So they went a little bit further. They managed to drop the car. It looks like it has at least a two-inch set of drop springs on it, which obviously helps the aerodynamics, gives the it car does. a little bit of range. So they went all out, and they managed to knock it down to 45 hours. 45 now, hours and 16 minutes. 45 <laughs> hours, 16 minutes in an EV, coast to coast, 2,800 miles. Do the math. That's incredible. So my first observation is I have to think the upgrade on the V2 chargers now that they can get 150 kilowatts was very helpful in both these attempts. Absolutely. Because I, I don't, I, I've noticed quite a dramatic difference. It doesn't sound like much. Okay, you're going from 120 to 150, but holy cow, for the first 10, 15 minutes of charge, does that ever knock the time off? You know, it mm -hmm. really, really adds up. So when you're charging, I think they had to stop 19 times in total. So you, you take 10 minutes off each one of those, you know, do the math. You're knocking off a serious chunk of time. So that's definitely helpful. And my immediate reaction was like, my God, imagine what's going to happen when we have V3, V3. charging. I mean, to you know, you're, like a 40 hour run is within that, sight. That should, that should be able to take it down to less than 40 hours. I, I got to sit down and work out the math on it. But it, yeah, if it isn't under 40, it's going to be close. And now you're down to times that, I mean, gas cars had a hard yeah. time doing for a long time, you know? So I, I just thought this was such a cool story. But yes, but hats off to the Thompson family. You people rock. That's my kind of vacation. <laughs> we need to do, they need to do another <laughs> National Lampoons with this time with an EV just, instead of the, just the family truckster. Just imagine having a record. You're like, man, we nailed it. Wait, what happened? We lost it already. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. Going the, the, the only thing, mean? the only thing that really kind of freaks me out about this is the amount, of, the speed that they're traveling at to do that. Like I've traveled from San Francisco, California, to here in South Florida in three days' time with a with a Honda Fit, and I was like by myself with a car full of crap and just kind of you know, hauling out. And it took me three days, um, you know obeying speed limits and that sort of thing but still like that's to me like that's impressed when i hear 40 some odd hours to cross the country i'm like goodness that's incredible and yeah. the idea like i mean i remember when you were down here for for um our february trip to kennedy space center and you i think you were faster going back than you were coming yes. down um yeah. even like I've, I've done google map links like just from here to toronto for example i'm like all right you know it's like 30 some odd hours give or take depending upon the route and i'm like and ian can be like 
yeah, I got home in uh, 20 hours. I'm um, pretty good. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to bed. Like, I, I don't understand. So I'll be curious to see what happens when we do it again in February to see how much faster it is this time around. Especially with the, with the V3. Hopefully there'll be more stations up. Yeah. Dying mm-hmm. to do it. Frothing, chomping at the bit. Hey, man, we're not we that far are. away. We're in August now. I mean, February is yeah, only, dope. you know, six months away. We are getting there. All right, time to move on. Tesla announced a huge, huge product. And when I say huge, I mean huge. Now, Tesla just announced this week a new massive energy storage system called the Mega Pack. Mega Pack. Again, links to all this stuff will be on the website. You can check it out. So, anyways, they're claiming three megawatt maximum energy capacity. It's 10 times faster installation. Megawatt hours, yes. Thank you very much. 10 times faster installation, one gigawatt hour plus of scale projects enabled so far. So, anyways, um, they basically say that um, they're going to be able to deploy these systems now that they've. um, Now, I wonder, do we remember how big the installation was in in, um, Australia? Australia. How big was that one again? I don't remember the number. I know it was big. But the, the this is something that I don't want to understate, and I want to make sure that I say this very clearly. Okay. I think other than their vehicles, this is the second biggest and most important thing Tesla's doing, which is power, which is energy storage solutions. Um, because as the world begins to transition into uh, renewable resources, specifically with solar and wind solutions. Um, it's imperative that the energy that's being created from those uh, resources is able to be stored some way. So Tesla, over the years now, has been doing all these small-scale products. And I really mean small-scale. Uh, but even like after Hurricane Maria uh, devastated Puerto Rico um, last year, uh, Tesla shortly thereafter had temporary power stations so that part of the island can actually have its power restored. Um, and the fact that they could set it up that quickly is in, kind of indicative of just how valuable these systems are. So um, so these kinds of products that they're doing, while, again, they're small scale in the grand sense, uh, they're really vital um, towards their mission of sustainable energy solutions. Uh, so, again, I think the cars has been a big part of that. But this is the next thing. I mean, you know, the solar roof is really awesome and Powerwall is great. But this, when you can when you can transition a community, when you can transition cities, larger power grades into these kinds of uh, energy solutions, it's it's something that we just cannot undervalue. And I think it's really the big, big thing that Tesla's going to do other than their uh, automotive solution. So just a little bit of a description of the power pack here. So every power pack arrives pre-assembled, pre-tested in one enclosure from our Gigafactory, including the battery modules, bi-directional inverters, a thermal management system, and AC main breaker and controls. No assembly is required. All you do is connect the Megapack's AC output to your site's wiring. Uh, wiring. They have some really great pictures here. It looks like the units are deliverable on the back of a semi-truck. Uh, probably looks like anywhere from a 20 to a 40-foot container. It's hard to determine here from the uh, pictures. But, um, uh, you know, you pair this with some solar or some uh, wind energy, and you get a really neat solution. Now, I've been told, and I have yet to find it, but... My understanding is that we have a previous system installed here by our local power company. It's around three mm-hmm. megawatts as well, uh, but it's not this new system. It's 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 my understanding is it's the older system. So this is a big deal because the previous systems took what up to ninety days to install because they got to put the concrete footings and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a big deal here because they can just deliver it on us on a flatbed. It's a, pl- plug it's a plug, in, in, it's a plug and play system basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. There is another thing too. Of course, obviously the Mega Packs come with uh, software update capabilities, but there's one thing here, and, and it's not really listed all that much in here. But they have something called Auto Bidder, which is part of their AI system that can actually sell the electricity smart and intelligently into the network. So using some AI and stuff, uh, so they can get some of the best deals. So f uh, I think there's some um, there's some uh, value propositions, obviously, for those who are generating energy from this, not only storing it but putting it into the grid and being able to resell it too. Just to come back on your point, Trev, I've got the information in front of me. So oh, the, uh, the storage unit in Australia is called the Hornsdale Power Reserve. Yep. And it has total capacity of uh, 129 megawatt hours. It has a discharge capability of 100 megawatts. So nice. that thing can put power back into the grid at 100 megawatts, like straight, yeah. straight power. You're getting hot in here, just me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Our understanding is that it's paid for itself. Yeah. Yes. It's done exceptionally well down there. So, anyways, More congratulations power. for Tesla on this thing. That's looking really good. And who knows what else kind of stuff they got up their sleeve for other things, too. Um, I wonder how they're going to parlay with this because obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that they're still waiting on Powerwalls, which is, you know, the home version of this too. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we're getting a lot of reports now that Tesla Solar has all of a sudden just kicked into action. Uh, lots of um, talks on Tweet and Reddit and on the forum, of course, that people placing orders for solar systems and Tesla saying, well, we can install it the next day or the, or the day after, provided all the permits are met. So, uh, yeah, it looks like they're finally, you know, the Tesla solar part of it, anyways, is starting to get some love. Unfortunately, it's still not available in Canada, unfortunately. So, it is what it is. All right, uh, moving along. Uh, we don't talk about the forum all that much, but there's lots of activity on there, including, <laughs> someone found something really interesting here. Now, there's been a thread on the forum that's been going on for some time now about people wanting to upgrade the sound system in their SR Plus, Standard Range Plus car, because obviously it doesn't come with a full immersive sound system. There's some tweeters missing. Obviously, the subwoofer is missing. And uh, lo and behold, uh, someone on the forum here, and I'll bring up the, the website here, and you can see it yourself here. His name is uh, Mod Mike. He says, I've been watching the SR Plus stereo system upgrade thread for some time since I got my car. And I thought, you know what? Instead of buying these aftermarket subwoofers, why don't I just go take a look? He scoured on eBay and assumed that the part was pretty expensive because that's what people are asking for. And he says it occurred to him to call Tesla and see how much it was. Well, he couldn't believe the price is only 250 bucks, 300 bucks Canadian. So that's 100 to 150 bucks less than what some eBayers are wanting. So it turns Good out one. you can actually order this part from Tesla. Now, the wiring system, you're still going to have to do. I'll put a link into the video in the podcast description. Sorry about that, a little tongue-tied. Um, where you can follow along on this, where the people have been actually going through, finding the wiring, and actually tapping into it with some third-party uh, class D amplifiers and stuff to make all this stuff work, but it looks like you can actually put a subwoofer in this that's purpose-built for the car, obviously, and uh, get a really good sound out of this. Now, now you guys are quite fortunate because uh, you have a long-range Model 3, you have a performance Model 3, of course, and the sound system comes, obviously, with the immersive sound system. And if you've never heard it, by the way, folks, you need to get out there and listen to it because it is truly incredible. Tesla's done a really great job on that. So, so... For those of you who are considering a sound system upgrade, it's a little more difficult in these cars, mainly because it's you know it's a lot of digital stuff um, going on. And again, the people that are talking about this in the thread are still claiming, of course, it's still software locked, and of course, without access to that, you can't turn on all of the even though some of the wiring is actually there, you can't actually enable some of that stuff. So they're having to tap into existing. Um, uh, tweeters that are actually active in the car in order to pull a signal, so on and so forth. But anyways, for those of you who are interested, uh, definitely 
uh, check it out. Any thoughts on this before we move on to? Uh, well, I, I just stuff? want I want to give a shout out to the original member who posted this plur. Um, yes. On forum, that was a, a beautiful write up. Um, yeah, I have it right they, here. I'll bring it up. Yeah, Keep talking. Yeah, great, a great description on on how to go about it step by step. Um, so it's a, it's a great starting point for anybody who wants to do the work to try and bring the car up to the the same sound level as as a premium car. And then of course, Mod Mike is my good close friend, Michael Triffin. So he's the oh, one. Oh, it is Mike. Yeah, it is. That's 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 our Mike. And he, um, yeah, he he's the one that did the homework and found out that you can actually buy the entire subwoofer assembly for less than it cost me for that piece of plastic trim under my rocker panel. <laughs> I don't understand Tesla pricing, but amen to all you who want the sub, you you win because that's a great price for it. So to get the factory original part. Yeah. So I uh, want to say thank you for all the guys on the forum who does such incredible write-ups of these little trials and tribulations that go with with the cars. It's a it's a great resource of information. Don't just go onto Twitter and look for stuff. You got to go to a forum because that's where all the juicy stuff is. And guess what? We have the best forum for Model 3 stuff. So yes. check that out. I, again, links to everything we talk about will be in the uh, podcast description, um, so you guys can check it out. Um, now, before we get on to uh, viewer listener questions, Ian, you had uh, some talking, some stuff to talk about HPWC or the old what we used to call the HPWC high power wall connector. It's really the uh, Tesla wall connector now. So, what did you want to say about that? Yeah, just quickly, um, we've talked about it on the show previously. I um, I so love the wall connectors because they're reasonably priced and they're intelligent. So if you have several of them in your house or your place of work, you can attach them together. They can all run off one circuit. They can load share. And as a result, because they're well-priced, I highly recommend them to owners who have other types of EVs because you can buy something called a Tesla tap. And hopefully Trev will be good enough to put the link uh, to their yep. site on here. And they make a beautifully crafted adapter so you can convert the Tesla plug to a standard J1772 socket and you can plug it into any other kind of EV. And it'll still load share with, with your Tesla if you have you know, a Tesla and some other EV. That's what I have at home and it works beautifully. So um, I did run into a little bit of a problem with it recently where um, we're not sure if it was corrosion, the connector, or a little bit of water getting, but it kept tripping the fault circuit on it. And uh, when I was cleaning it and resetting it, it's like it wouldn't come back on immediately. It kept tripping the fault circuit. So I called them up. And it's so nice in this day and age to call any kind of company and like the person who owns the company who is right next to them <laughs> answers the phone and has every conceivable answer, including 10 things that you'd never even heard of. And what I learned during the course of the call is when you trip the fault circuit uh, in, uh, in the wall connector, there's, believe it or not, something as precise as a 26.5 second delay before it fully resets. So even if the light comes back green, you you have to wait about 30 seconds to make sure that the thing is fully really initiated. So that's the problem I was having. And as I wasn't being patient enough to let, so it kept ah. triggering the fault. Here's the cool thing though. The reason you have to wait so long is um, version two of this wall connector is intelligent. And this chimes into something that Eric, my mobile service tech, told me the week before. He says, did you know that your wall connector can be updated through the car? They can actually do a firmware update to the wall connector itself because- They do that to the Chatham adapter. Yeah, well, this is it. Everything now can, there's communication wires integrated now into the charging circuit. So if in certain updates, they can actually send the signal through and that'll actually update the wall connector itself. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now, apparently to date, it hasn't happened. Both, both but they have the ability. They have the ability to do it. 
<laughs> so the way this is done is there's there's a dip switch in the unit. If you look at the schematic, or if anybody's familiar with the installation of these, there's um, a little rotary dial that sets mm -hmm. the current limit on the unit, and you also have two little dip switches. Now, the first one is to configure whether you have a three-phase or a single-phase connection, if memory serves, uh, on your 240-volt circuit. But the second dip switch, which I had no idea what it does because it doesn't talk about it in the instruction manual. It just says, leave it in the up position. You know what that does? That's the communication link for the unit. So it's in the up position. It's interrogating the car to figure out if it's a Tesla. And if it's a Tesla, it'll talk to it and it'll look for this information. However, if you switch that into the down position, what it does is it, it bypasses this extra communication step. So now it'll communicate instantly with your car. So there's no delay in the hookup. Basically, you can plug it into any EV now, and it's not going to sit around and, you know, send it the Tesla ping and wait for it to talk back. It's just going to go, okay, we're connected, we're safe, poof, and it starts charging. So if any of you are using the Tesla tap and you're experiencing these regular faults, put your, um, on your connector, use that second dip switch, put it in the down position, and apparently this rectifies. I'm going to try it on mine, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Appreciate it. No Very problem. cool information. Well, you find out something new every day, right? How many people do you think ran into that? <laughs> I have no idea, but I was just, you know, like, and this was a much longer conversation. I mean, David at, uh, at Tesla Taps, a super cool guy. So anybody, if you have questions about this unit, you know, I encourage you to call them up. Really, really helpful people, and they make a beautiful product. Awesome. Great. Well, I think it's time for us to uh, jump in and uh, answer viewer and listener questions. Now, again, uh, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, if you don't know where we get these questions, we usually ask them the day of or the day before we do the podcast on Twitter. We have a Google form that you can fill out, and you can just submit any question you would like. And uh, if we think it's worthy, we'll answer it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do our best to answer just about every question that we get. Like Wayne and Garth, we are not worthy. We're not worthy. All right, so having said that, so the first question comes from Sean, and this one is a question directly for Ian. He says, I've read posts stating that the single 10 millimeter set bolt on each wheel hub of the Model 3 must re remain in place on the car. Others suggest it's just used to set the hub in place and can be removed or discard discarded. What say you? When using a spare wheel for tire rotations at little bolt was a pain in the butt to remove can yes, i just is. chuck it in the trash <laughs> yes um absolutely sean you can um i left mine on because i was a little bit paranoid um but i mean there's really no reason for it you see this quite commonly on a lot of cars um, it can be a set screw which is recessed into the rotor itself, which doesn't interfere with um, the wheel installation. I, that's a nicer solution. But a lot of manufacturers don't really care. They'll use a protruding, you know, typical standard hexagonal bolt to hold the rotor in place. The only reason it's there is when the car goes down the production line, they put the rotors on. Normally, the, the only thing holding the rotor in place is your wheel. So prior to the wheels being installed, the rotors are just kind of wobbling there in space. So to make sure they don't move, they put that little set screw or set bolt in place and that holds them on the line. And when the wheel goes on, that's what's really clamping the rotor into its final position. So yes, once once the brake calipers and pads are sitting there, well, you can take that off and you still can't remove the rotor because now the caliper is holding it in place. So there's no problem removing those things and, and discarding them. Um, however, there's one thing I picked up in your question was that you're using a spare tire. And I assume this is because you're doing one corner of the car at a time when you rotate. So in other words, jack up one corner, take the wheel off, put a spare wheel on, then go to the front, repeat the process. This is extraordinarily labor intensive. Let me save you the hassle. Jack up the whole side of the car at the same time. Uh, on an earlier episode, we talked about this and I actually showed a, a screenshot of a video 
of a Tesla mobile Ranger who does they actually do it themselves. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh my god, I can't lift up the whole car just from one jacking point. I'll twist the frame. No, you cannot twist this car. You can drop it off a building. You're not going to twist the platform on a Model Three. <laughs> it's built like a bank vault. And I we don't recommend you do that though. We don't recommend you drop <laughs> off a building. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Just saying. But yeah, Sandy uh, Monroe. No, exactly. So yes, I always recommend using the rear jack point because the car, the rear wheel drive is, you know, good 5% heavier in the rear and even with a dual motor, which is pretty evenly balanced. So just jack up from the rear, um, keep jacking until you get both wheels off the ground. You are not going to do one ounce of harm. My car has been up and down a thousand times like that. And it's perfect. It's, it's, it's a great way to do it. So don't bother with the spare tire technique. You're really spending a lot of time, which is not necessary. And you recommend the the hockey puck thing you guys have mentioned on the yeah. show before? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say if you want, if put that in the in the description for the show, so those who yeah. are interested in knowing what it is can check it out. Yeah, especially if you're going to jack the car completely, it's nice to have the protection of that hockey puck because you know you're going to put a little extra strain there. It's it's nice to make sure that you're not going to damage the area around uh, the jack support area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Thanks for uh, writing in, Sean. I hope that answers your question. Next question comes from Wayne. He says, I'm just wondering if the box that's normally located on the back of a regular pickup is located on the front of the cab of the Tesla pickup. Seems like a strange idea, but the picture of the front looks like a tailgate to me. This is the picture he's talking about. Woo -doo -doo. Now, okay, well, here's the, here's the answer, Wayne. Elon has definitely confirmed on Twitter that that is indeed the front of the truck. It's a uh, Blade Runner-ish looking thing. We will hopefully see it in a few months. But uh, yeah, it's it's not going to look like your normal pickup truck. I think Tesla's finally decided to pull out all the stops on this particular product and really make it look sci-fi so that people go, what the heck is that thing? Right? So it's deliberate on their part. No, it's definitely the front of the truck. So that light bar that you see going around here, I'll bring it up one more time so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Such a hard time picturing. I mention this every week. This is fantastic if you're on the podcast because you have no <laughs> yeah. idea what the hell we're talking about. I've got to think everybody by now is a Tesla enthusiast has seen that little stealthy image, though, that was at yeah. the model reveal. Yeah, Funny yeah. enough, we missed it. I had my back to the screen when I, I was there. You, you've seen it eventually. It's not like it's yeah. hard to find. No, exactly. It's it's no, no. It's, it's it's certainly floating out there. Just do a Google search for for Tesla pickup truck, and uh, the weirdest image you see, that's the one. Uh, not the Photoshop hack jobs that everybody's going around yeah, with. Don't, the one don't, that looks like don't a Blade look at Runner. Earl's uh, Photoshop with Norman. Oh, oh, yes. and all, no, please. Earl don't. has amazing Photoshop skills, right, Earl? <laughs> His, the great oh, his, his Photoshop skills are as if you went to college and you were taking like a, like an arts class and they go, we're going to learn Photoshop and it's like an intro to Photoshop and what Earl needs is like an intro to the intro for Photoshop. <laughs> but it's hilarious because you can tell they're so phony, but it's it's fun. Well, that's that's part of the charm, isn't it? I know, yes. isn't it? We love you, I, Earl. We do. We love you, buddy. All right. Uh, next question comes from Don. He says, would it be possible to split out FSD features? Would love to pay only for auto lane change right now. Standard autopilot lacks it, uh, but it would be really nice to have. No. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a clear no. They're not going to do that. No, it, it no exactly. Tesla has cemented what they feel is a good product mix right now, which is basically your uh, uh, your lane keeping 
and your uh, traffic aware cruise control is part of what they call autopilot now, which all the cars get for free. FSD, which basically is this other thing you pay for over and above the car now. Uh, that's where all the juicy bits really stick. Um, again, once again, we have to remind people that the prices will be going up on FSD about a thousand bucks on August 16th. So just a couple weeks away from now. Uh, so if you're looking at doing that, uh, suggest that you jump in whether you see it or not. Um, again, some of the features are not going to show up until later. I mean, Tesla just said they have $883 million riding on this thing that they can't realize the profits. Um, until they get this stuff um, going. So there's almost, you know, it's basically a billion dollars sitting sitting there in the Tesla coffers that they can't re recognize officially until FSD is a reality. So they're working very hard on it. Um, now, just in case someone else asks, uh, because I see it on Twitter once in a while, I'd like to be able to do it as a subscription service. Um, again, Elon has confirmed that there's something that they will entertain once the robo-taxi fleet is actually existing and in, in an operation. So that'll be something that you can look forward to later on. Right now, you got to fork out the money if you want to participate and play in the sandbox. Okay, next question comes from Tony. He says, I ordered a Raven long-range Model S scheduled delivery this Saturday. Uh, the mileage being reported on May MPVA is 91 miles. I'm wondering if the odometer actually reads 91 miles, which seems kind of high for test driving prior to delivery. Does it signify there was a possible issue during testing which prompted that amount of miles being placed on the car? I have an answer, but I want to hear it from Ian. What do you think? Oh, damn it. Okay. Oh, no. Well, okay, Eric. No, Ian, please. You already, you already called. I'm just going to sit back and watch. All I'm right. I'm going to my fake champagne. Okay. I uh, I read that one earlier today, and I was kind of like, hmm, I don't know. Was this a Ferris Bueller moment where, like, the two parking attendants went, you know, with the Star Wars music? Da, 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 da. <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing all sorts of possibilities. Um, but, no, I, I I don't really have a plausible explanation. I would like really? to hear what you Okay, have. Eric, you go. I have mine. All right. All right. So go for it. Eric. Every car that Eric Tesla knows. Sells, every car that Tesla sells, they will automatically on the MVPA, which is the Motor Vehicle Purchase Agreement. Purchase for those agreement. Of you. No. <laughs> I love acronyms. Okay. So um, <laughs> I know, right? I'm giddy about this. All right. So I'm like, I know stuff like Ian knows wheel. Okay. Yes, he knows. So he knows. If, if you have an MVPA from Tesla uh, and the car is considered brand new, it will always have. 50 miles marked on the MVPA. And the reason for that is for insurance purposes. When you actually are giving them the VIN and you actually have to record a certain amount of information, like how much mileage is on the car, 50 is actually the minimum. And the reason for that, it allows Tesla a buffer. Yes. So when they have to move the car from the truck in the service center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Around you're the track. Right. So most people, when they have that 50, when you take delivery, like my car had seven miles on it. It happens, okay? Uh, but it, it, again, that's their starting number. Now, wires are 91. Well, here's the thing. We do not know. When Tesla does have uh, vehicles used for test drives or at service centers for loaners, et cetera, et cetera, those are cars that they own. They're considered new cars because they've never been titled to anybody else other than Tesla. So it is entirely within the realm of possibility that the car that this person has was actually used for test drives. There's a recently new car had been going on for some excursions, and all of a sudden, that's the car they assigned to them because we know that when there's like end of quarter rushes, they start pulling inventory from everywhere and get those cars in the hands of customers. So it is very likely, again, not knowing all the information, but it's likely that the car was deemed a new car, but was actually used by Tesla for test drive purposes before 
or as a service center for you know a loaner or something, and then that's the car they sold him. So it has an accurate. So it it probably is accurate that it has 91 miles on it uh, because that's probably what it was uh, when it was delivered. But again, it's not brand new from the factory, shipped over and then dropped off. It's probably because it was used for test drives in the past. Exactly. My my answer was a buffer because they do need to transport the cars. They used to take them around the track. They they have to have some mileage and, on and the vehicle. And fifty is that baseline number they always use. So if it's ninety one, it's probably because it's an actual reflection of what's on the car and not what was uh, their buffer of fifty. All right. I knew so Tony. there you go. Oh, <laughs> wonderful question, Tony. Thank you for uh, submitting it. There is your answer. Uh, bottom line: Don't worry about it. You're all good. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Chuck. He says, any idea when we'll be able to have Tesla profiles associated with phones or keys? Uh, will it be keys or phones or both? Um, so <laughs> I have a Model X. Uh, my key fobs are, are it, the driver profiles are tied to my key fobs, two of them. I get two of them. Um, Elon did say that they are going to be able to do that with the key cards uh, fairly soon. This may be part and parcel tied to v10 we don't know yet all of the uh release notes um he also said that eventually they want to move the driver profiles to the cloud so eventually if you get into ride sharing network or maybe you get into a loaner or something like that you'll be able to log into your account driver profiles follow you and sets up the whole car so we don't know the exact answer yet but uh, i do believe that it's still coming it is an offer requested feature that uh, we see quite a bit online um, unless you guys have any other um, knowledge that I'm not aware of, but that's definitely something that they are looking into, but we just don't know when it's going to happen. And we had a similar question uh, from this in last week's show, uh, which was recorded on July 25th, not June 25th. Um, yeah. But there was some, something like that about in terms of having user profiles. And we know there was like a, they sort of released in their online um, help documentation. So it's kind of released early before it's actually in, in the software. Uh, so maybe, just maybe, that could be one and the same, uh, that that could be a thing they're going to do. But for now, we have to wait and see on that part. Exactly. All right, two more questions. Uh, this next one comes from Chris. He says, will the V10 software firmware um, upgrade require a new FSD computer? The answer is no. Um, FSD in the software that runs the firmware in the car, which is the MCU. So in the case of a Model S or X, that's the main center screen. And the Model 3, it only has one computer, which runs the, the single screen. Um, no, those are separate things altogether. The software updates of Ver10 will work across all of the uh, Tesla fleet uh, that I'm aware of and will not require any computer upgrades. Uh, the upgrade computer thing that you keep hearing on the internet right now is really related to full self-driving. So if you bought FSD either prior to the big brouhaha of March or <laughs> afterwards... <laughs> Um, that is when your software up, or your uh, FSD computer will be upgraded to the new Hardware 3 or what Tesla calls the full self-driving computer. They're two separate things altogether. I know everybody gets the two confused all the time. So no, it does it does not. So it, it will... Uh, now, there, it's not to say that there aren't functions in there that go to the FSD as part and parcel to the software um, into the uh, autopilot computer itself. But again, th there are several computer systems in the Tesla cars, they talk to one another, but they are not necessarily upgraded all at the same time or interrelated in terms of hardware. They're very, very different animals. So I hope that answers the questions as far as that's concerned. Um, unless you guys have anything else to throw in, we can answer the last one tonight. I'm good. Go for it. 
Okay, uh, last question comes from Dave. He says, <laughs> and again, it's related to autopilot. He says, any insight on when the AP2 or 2.1 cars, actually he means 2.5, uh, will start being upgraded to the FSD hardware. Um, we're just going by what Tesla or Elon had said on Twitter some time ago. Uh, they're hoping to be able to do those upgrades sometime later in the fourth quarter of this year. Now, don't be surprised that it may be pushed into the spring again. Again, there's no rush on their part right now because they're still porting the software over to this new computer. So until they get the whole stack really running on this thing and optimized, there's no need to upgrade the computer systems. Yes, cars manufactured since March now have the new FSD computer, but they're not taking advantage of the of the high speed of any of that stuff yet because they're still running on the same software stack. We don't know when that software stack will be ready, but we're just going by what Elon had said that uh, uh, if all goes well, we should be able to be able to do that sometime later in the fourth quarter of this year. Um, he also confirmed that mobile technicians will be able to do that FSD computer upgrade in the uh, in the field, so you won't have to uh, bring a car into Tesla uh, to do that upgrade because, I mean, can you imagine how many people are bought that now and want these FSD computers? Um, when I did my uh, vinyl dash wrap on my Model X, I took apart part of the dash, and it's super easy to get at that computer. Model 3 I haven't taken apart, so I don't have any opinion on that as far as how that's concerned. I do know that there's a big difference, though. The autopilot computer in my car is a separate shoebox. On the Model 3, it's two circuit boards. So the FSD computer and the MCU computer, the one that runs the computer screen on the Model 3, are sandwiched together in a single box, and it's attached to the firewall. So it's behind the glove box. So they have to, yeah. So they have to do some take apart on that. How much? I don't know yet because I haven't actually looked at that. I mean, Model when you 3. take delivery of your performance Model 3, you'll find out. Uh, yes. Well, you know what? There is still a Model X for sale if you guys want. <laughs> are interested out there i'd like to get a performance model 3 but, uh, hey i'm not i'm not pushing it's just money i just got to spend anyways because resale values have plummeted and it just means more money into the pot so not keen on spending the money but if it happens it happens so that's it guys that's the end of the show we did All it right. Bye, everybody <laughs> well eric since you're on the screen where can people reach you if they want to have a chit chat with you you guys can find me on this uh interesting social media account called twitter I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see my uh, handle here in the bottom corner. That's actually uh, kind of cut off a little bit, but man, listen, that's language. So um, <laughs> that's just a Canadian conversion on YouTube. So it's on, it's under the handle EC Fix. That is E C F I X. As Trevor mentioned, uh, the Twitch storm, tweet storm, the all this different stuff I tweeted about Elon over the weekend. Uh, that'll be linked on the YouTube channel. Uh, so you can find it there. Easy access to my Twitter handle. Uh, my appreciation to all the new followers, the retweets, all the likes. It's been, again, I don't do it for the love. I do it for the education. Um, so if you guys have any questions on stuff, by all means, tweet at me. And I might be putting up a poll pretty soon because, as uh, Trevor just mentioned, um, FSD prices are going up pretty soon. Right now I can get it for $3,000. Um, I'm kind of like, and I've talked about maybe not doing it because I mean, it's $3,000 for me, which is a lot right now. A lot of money. Um, so like if I were to do it, I'm going to have to actually like start a, 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 like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter campaign and Indiegogo because I'm, ugh, that's a lot to invest right now. But I mean, it's, it's, I got two weeks to figure that out, but uh, mm. I might, I might ask my avid listeners and lovers of Twitter to be like, Hey, do it or no do it. So do it. it. I know, I know you want me to do it. That's, 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 <laughs> that's a given. Come on. All right. Well, you know what the answer is going to be. Oh, tell All right. to do it. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Ian, it's your turn. Where can people find you if they want to have a chit-chat with you? All right. 
right. Well, uh, Eric Style, you can use the handle here if you're looking on. That's ah, cut the off. YouTube. Language. Okay. So uh, Ian Pavelko, at Ian Pavelko on Twitter. You can also find me on the Tesla Owners Online forum under the handle Mad Hungarian. Uh, be sure to ping me. Use use the handle if, you, uh, if you're looking for me because I'm. Use the at symbol and type somebody's name. Yeah, that exactly. People. At Mad, and you should see it auto populate at some point, and you will find me there. And then finally, if you're looking for some fine EV wear, um, you can go to Teespring at teespring.com and just uh, on their search engine look up Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear, and you will stumble upon um, the line of Evolve Wear and Weapon of Mass Adoption. Um, um, shirts and mugs and all the rest of it, uh, of which um, some of the profits go to great EV organizations such as Plug in America, Electromobility Canada, and LAVEC, L'Association de Véhicules Électriques de Québec. Language. Very well said. I'm going to bug you again. Where's what? your Model Y shirt? Oh, God. And somebody asked me on Twitter this week, you know what happened? It's like I don't have a home license for Photoshop anymore, and they yanked it from my desktop at work. That's so right. now I'm going to. Uh, and it's curse you, Adobe. I might have to come to you to finalize the line. Uh, the line art. Hey, because... Earl, if you're listening to the show, why don't you uh, <laughs> throw a line here? Yeah, like, there we go. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think well, I'm in a girl's good Earl, I guarantee Earl did it. He'd find a way to get Norman inside the the part of the car. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Norman. And his, referral his referral code. And, and his referral code. code. The referral code was <laughs> the back of the shirt. All <laughs> kind of. <laughs> We love you, buddy. Oh, I'm so tweeting at him after this show's done. <laughs> well, as usual, Ian, thank you very much. Um, links to all of his stuff, of course, his Teespring will always be in the podcast and the video description. So check out his awesome wear. And uh, lastly, well, I guess it's my turn. If you want to chit-chat with me, you can do it in uh, several different ways. Active on Twitter, the handle's Model3Owners. Uh, check out the forum at Model3, Model3 Owners Club, Tesla Owners, <laughs> Tesla Owners Online, uh, my handle on there is Trev P. Uh, lots of stuff going on in there. I want to say a big thank you to our, our three sponsors. That's EvanX, the guys at Fine Lab, and uh, Dulaban Insurance. Those guys do awesome products and stuff, so uh, they really keep the show going. Anyways, that's it for this week, and we will catch you uh, next week. We have some special stuff that's coming down the pike in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, subscribe to the uh, uh, audio podcast or wherever you happen to be thank you for all the listener questions and uh we'll see you on the next one thanks for watching and listening no matter where you happen to be good night everybody bonsoir tout le monde goodbye